I'm Liv. I'm Steve. I'm Jenny. And this is Fish Out of Water, a podcast for epileptics by epileptics who are not medical professionals. Hang on. Did someone say there were Jenny? There was a Jenny in here? Is Jenny here? Where? Who's Jenny? I don't know. <laughs> Who's a Jenny? Oh my god, it's Jenny! Me. We have a special guest star! Steve, please introduce our special guest star. Uh, this is a person I barely know. Oh. Um. <laughs> he doesn't know how true it is. We just found her on the street. Oh. Yeah, she was wandering around petting wildlife. Well, that's what I do. That's how I make it not wild anymore. <laughs> I'm very fond of me. I'm Jenny! I am apparently mentioned in every episode of Fish Out of Water so far, which is a lot of airtime for somebody who doesn't, isn't been on the podcast yet, but I'm Steve's wife. Yeah. Or Steve's my husband. How long have we been married? Uh... Like six months or something like that. It's like six four. months and 24 days. There you go. She's <laughs> also good at math. But we've been together a lot longer than that. Mm-hmm. You got married on your 10-year anniversary, right? We got married on our 10-year anniversary, yes. Right to the day makes it so much easier to remember anniversaries. Yes. Now it's just 10 plus 1. 10 I, plus 2. Exactly. And it's, eventually it'll be 10 plus 47 or something. And yeah. And will be like, okay, huh. It'll be excellent. Mm. Yeah, I had never been to a wedding on a Friday before. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very small reception. Beautiful. Yeah, small. As it was small, it was still seventy some odd people. It is there true. were seventy people there. Oh, at, at a minimum. Yes. Maybe the space was just really open. Well, the space could have held like a couple well, hundred. The tables only had twelve people apiece. I just mean so, like the sorry, not the reception, like the ceremony. Yeah, the ceremony was so small. Well, when you put a bunch of people in in the woods, they look a lot smaller. Uh, yeah. Yes. I, <laughs> it was still over seventy people, which is a fair amount. At the beginning, when. Uh, was Leah and Lindsay mm-hmm. that were with me and Ben. Dojo friends. Yeah, Leah and Lindsay are the dojo dames also. Your listeners know about the dojo? Yeah, we talk about the dojo basically every episode. Great. We yeah. Do, yeah, Steve and I teach kickface and Liv learns kickface from us. <laughs> yes, that's how I got into kickfacing. Anyways, Leah and Lindsay. Leah and Lindsay uh, and Ben... And I, the first, like, two benches that were close to, like, the the front rows Mm -hmm. were empty, and we were kind of like, is that reserved for family? And then no one was sitting in them, so we kind of, like, inched forward because we were, like, three rows back, and we were like, is anyone sitting here? And they were like, no. So they were like, okay, screw it, dibs, and, like, sat (laughs) second row, and we were like, all right, family. (laughs) We were, like, probably the least traditional of weddings, and, like, we took a look at some of the traditions were like, hey, don't like that one, don't like that one, don't like that one. And then by the time it was all said and done, we're like, uh, this is just going to be for fun. It's funsies, and we kind of enjoy having everybody here. But besides that, we don't care. Yeah, our issue getting together, we tried to figure this out for a long time, and we were like, we don't know what we want. We don't know what we want. And then finally we were like, let's figure out what we don't want. And okay. probably we can work backwards from there. And then we just decided to try and look at some wedding photography, and all the photography we found that we liked was based around the feeling of like being outside on the West Coast. So we were like, well, shall we copycat our way into a happy union? <laughs> and we did. It was great. It was really lovely. Yeah. Thank you for being there. Oh, it was beautiful. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. It was, I, yeah, we were all betting on who was the first one to cry. We were like, oh, anybody who bet on Steve. <laughs> we were going, yeah, it it's going to be work. Steve. It's going to be Steve. It's going to be Steve. <laughs> it should have been, but the motherfucker didn't cry. <laughs> no, Ben was the first one to cry. Oh, was he really? Yes, he was sitting, he was sitting closest to the aisles. So Leah, Lindsay and I are kind of mumbling like, okay, who's going to be the first one to 
who's going to be the first one to cry? And like, we're getting ready. The bride's about to walk down the aisle and we're going, it's going to be Steve. It's going to be Steve. I look over at Ben. What do you think? He's like, I don't know. And then he sees you coming down and you're like kind of, you know, trying not to, you you were holding it back, like big smile, but also like, don't cry. And then Ben goes, "Ah, she's trying not to cry. I'm like, seriously? That's so cute. Yeah. My whole thing was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. This is going to be good. And then I turned to walk down the aisle and 80 people who love me just turned around and looked at me and I was like... <laughs> my my strategy went from don't cry to don't ugly cry. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, the right before I was about to walk down the aisle because we did it a little differently. Where I had three bridesmaids and they walked down with their groomsmen, mm-hmm. and my sister was in front of me because she was the maid of honor, so she was supposed to walk right before me. And I realized I was about to start crying. I'm I'm right beside my dad, and I go, "Oh my god, I'm about to cry!" And mm-hmm. she turns around, and she goes, "I farted." <laughs> Excellent. Oh, oh, I just lost it. I was like, okay, okay, I'm good. I'm See, good. Dr. Boo has a remedy for everything. Yes, she does. And farts are funny. They are funny. They are funny. And stinky. Traditional but- jokes. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yes. The, my, my thing was that when I was standing up there and looking down, I saw Jenny was like on the verge. And it was like, it was aw- like beautiful. It really was. She was so gorgeous. But at the same time, I was like, well, I got to make sure I got to keep, I don't know, strong is the right word. But Composed. Composed. That, that's an excellent word for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to keep composed because then, you know, because humans mimic each other's emotions so much. Oh, yeah. This is why when you see one person cry and you don't even know why, but you'll feel upset too. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are just big sponges for other people. Empathy. Empathy. Yeah, I'm like, it's called empathy. Thing. <laughs> so I, I figured if I what stay composed, it'll help Jenny stay composed and then we can get through this without too many hiccups. It would have so been hilarious if you'd started bawling and then we just sat up there and cried at each other for Oh, that would have been, a, I would have loved that. <laughs> that that raven going by. Oh God, it was, it was so, it would have been funny. Mm-hmm. But I figured we would try to have it go fairly smooth. Yes. So... Yeah, that was my thinking on it. So I, I was intentionally trying to stay composed. It was funny because the Justice of the Peace looked at me and looked at Carrie, who was my maid of honor, my sister, and was like, do you have any tissues? And Carrie was like, nope. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> Boo had tissues uh, stuffed down her bra. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie was Carrie thought that she did, but nope. Um, she had everything else. That girl got me through so much. But then she got there and got the justice threw shade at her for not having <laughs> tissues. And Carrie was like, what the fuck do you want, lady? <laughs> <laughs> well, we should mention how close it was that we didn't have a justice actually yeah, it, do the whole thing. Like, just a few days before and also on the day of. What? The well, day of. Okay, so Jenny was planning this wedding with Steve and Asia and uh, Asia's our wedding planner and Carrie. And, like, getting everything in order, and there's a lot of balls to keep in the air. And about five days before the wedding, Jenny goes, who's going to marry us? <laughs> Jenny didn't have a justice. <laughs> yeah, and we're like, oh, yeah, we should really get on that. So we found somebody. Um, and she and was we, excellent. She was great. We drove all the way out to Souk to meet her and yeah. have a chat, and she seemed great. And then the day of came around, and we were, like... I, I planned it so that we'd arrive, like, 30 minutes early, and then we arrived 10 minutes early, which meant that we were late. Um, so it was like, ah, so of course, like, Steve goes and does his thing, we do my, do my thing, we're trying to find my lipstick, we can't find it, Carrie's trying to find it, and this box of watercolors that I've brought to the wedding for some reason because I'm a crazy person and I'm stressed. Anyways, so my dad comes up and he's like, oh, how you doing? And it's just panic. 
in the like little bridal suite. And then Asia, the wedding planner, comes up and she's like, um, so the justice of the peace says she hasn't been paid? And we were like, oh, shit. <laughs> that was something we were supposed to do ahead of time. Like, it just, it, like, it was just an envelope we forgot to put in someone's hand at some point. And we were like, oh, uh-oh. And she's like, yeah, she says she won't, won't marry you until she's paid. And I was like, oh, crap. Where's Steve? And she was like, he already walked. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. So Steve's standing at the altar. The justice is low-key, like, where's my money, bitch? And I'm, like, in a house, like, up a hill, trying to find lipstick. And my dad's like, I have some cash in my wallet. And then he goes to look for his wallet, and he's like, my wallet's with Catherine. Yep. At the ceremony. And I was like, okay. We're doing this. So I was trying to e-transfer this lady in Souk, which is in a forest. There was no reception. Uh, I know. I finally got an e-transfer to go through. And I was like, okay, I have the receipt on my phone if she needs to see it. Let's go do this. So I start sprinting down the hill and then realize Carrie and Steve's sister, Anne, are both wearing like somewhat heeled shoes and are not, as I am, the athlete. So I'm like, it doesn't matter how fast I get there. They have to walk first. And then the speaker wouldn't work. <laughs> so the song wouldn't come on. So poor Steve. That's why he was standing there for like 10 minutes. <laughs> Weddings are never supposed to start on time. It was gorgeous. When it actually happened, it was so wonderful. And the justice was pretty chill. Yeah. Um, like, I don't like I don't think she would have actually been like, um, actually. <laughs> yeah. But, but at the time, like the way that it was phrased, I was like, I forgot to do this thing. And I'm not. I just want to get married. I just want to get married. Yeah, it, it, it was kind of funny. And I, you know, I was up there waiting, but I kind of figured those things never go off without a hitch. Well, no. And I have never seen a wedding where the guy has not been standing up there for an extended period of time, twiddling his thumbs, waiting for it to whole start. Mm-hmm. I have never seen one actually go off totally uh Perfect. And that's basically like, if it's not one thing, it's another. Like, okay, so say you had all that stuff paid ahead of time and done properly, like a lot of them might be, but then it would be makeup. Then it would be dress. Can we just take another five minutes and make sure everything is picture perfect? I mean, it's always going to be something. Yeah. So I, my expectations were that it was going to happen at some point during the day. And that was about it. And it was fine. It, it was... does make for a funny story later. Yes, it was funny, actually. <laughs> I got to have my one bridezilla moment because I invited a close friend of my sister's kind of at the last minute because we had a cancellation. I was like, oh, would you like to come? And he was like, oh, I'd love to come. Um, and he ended up driving Carrie and Alex, my sister and her her partner, to the ceremony. And so he gets out, like, Carrie gets out of the car, and it's great. She looks beautiful. And Alex gets out of the car, and he looks beautiful. And Reese gets out of the car. This is 10 minutes before I walk down the aisle, and he is wearing orange board shorts and a, like, off-white or an off-white tank top with a picture of a bunny rabbit lifting a barbell and being like, do you even lift, bro? And I was like, Reese, what are you wearing? And he just... (laughs) Folded. He was like, I brought a suit. I brought a suit. I'm getting changed. I brought a suit. <laughs> that was my one moment of just like going from like pretty lady to monstrous demon woman. <laughs> my bridezilla moment, the bridesmaids and I were all up in this kind of like loft area just above where the ceremony was going to be held in, on the farm. And we could hear um, everyone that was like chatting and stuff. So we knew everyone was having a good time. And then... This girl who I had not seen for a long time, as in like a few years, but we were close Mm -hmm. then-ish, had come down from Yellowknife for our wedding, which was very nice. Her and her partner came. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Hadn't seen her in a long time. She obviously came for a slice. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and uh, she just waltzes into the loft. Oh. And I'm like, oh, hi. And she goes, hi. She just leans against the wall and just kind of looks at us. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is she doing here? Like, I, she's invited, but does, can she not read the room? Like, everyone's kind of, like, looking at her, kind of uncomfortable. And uh, my way to calm down is to play games and stuff, or one of my ways to calm down. So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, let's all play Taboo or whatever. So I had brought in Taboo, and we were all trying to, like, play it. But I guess she'd never played it before, because she kept guessing everyone's word. And we're like, what are you doing? So then it was still, like, 45 minutes before I actually had to start to put the dress on. Mm-hmm. That dress took a while to put on. But I was like, okay, she's not going to get out unless she's uncomfortable. So I'm like, all right, I need to put my dress on. And I took my underwear off. <laughs> <laughs> Got up, took all my unders off. And she went, I should go. And I'm like, yup. Then she left and then I put them back on. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> that's good to know for the future. <laughs> yeah. I had never done something that drastic before in my life. But I was like, my wedding day and I don't want to be like... Get the fuck out. Yeah, no Instead, I'll just take my underwear off. From my end, it was so simple. It's like we had a, there was a room set aside for the groom. I don't even know mm-hmm. if I went into it. I think I went into it briefly to put the suit on and that was it. It was so simple. It's like the guy has it much easier. Well, it depends yeah. on how involved they want to be. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had it much easier. I had it much easier. <laughs> For me, it was like, okay, I'll just put the suit on and get out there. My job is basically to stand there and not look too stupid. But your suit was exciting. It was beautiful. It I, looked so good. It was more expensive than my wedding dress. Yes. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Significantly uh, more expensive. It was a bright blue suit. It's th- This thing, you have to plug it in at night to recharge it. It is like bright blue and like hints uh, on the tie of uh, pink, actually. It was have, like, awesome. Do you guys have like a Facebook page or anything? Yep. We'll put pictures on the Facebook page. I've literally not seen none of your your wedding photos. Oh, yeah. We got to get those. We I'm really in gotta... those. I would like to see the Dojo family <laughs> photos because I was like, oh, I can't wait to see these. When the fuck are they going to upload them? Hi. Yeah, it's been only six months. It, it's we'll get like, to it. Yeah. <laughs> your Japan photos are like, okay, this is what we did today. And I'm like, you got married before. Can I see? I mean, I'm glad you're having fun. We got married after Japan. Oh, right. Sorry. The the um, the um road trip you went on. Yes. yes. We haven't the put that on us up. Road yes. trip. Yeah, we're... we're we're still going through those photos. Photos are hard, man. I went on a like snowshoeing trip on Wednesday. I got the photos up last night, and that was a great deal of like focus, concentration. But yes, we will put them up. I'm very excited, and all the fish listeners will also get to see them. Yay! Along with people who were actually in the photos and have been waiting for a very long time to see them. Here comes Brian. Okay. All right. Um, let's start the thing. What with, is the theme for today? Uh, well, we're gonna do partners of. Fish or fish allies? Fish allies? Fish allies? Can we be remoras? <laughs> what? You, you don't know what a remora is? Oh, who doesn't? No, but I also thought <laughs> well, that Megalodon, Megalodon was a dinosaur. <laughs> well, Megalodon is a shark, and remora are the shark or the fish that attach themselves to sharks and eat all of the little bits of animals that they don't quite get in their big choppy mouths. Yep, remoras are like the cleaners of sharks. Okay, so today's theme is uh, something we've been discussing to do for a while, which is partners of fish and what it's like to be one. And who would know what it's like to be a partner of a fish but someone who's been a partner of a fish for, like, ten years? Yep. That's me! Jenny! That's me! (laughs) The girl we found wandering around on the streets. Yes. Yeah, so we're gonna, um... I've been stalking Steve. 
<laughs> uh, after uh, doing the uh, fellow famous fish and the not so fun fact corner, we'll do a gentle interrogation of Jenny oh, and what kind. it's <laughs> hence the gentle to uh, see her point of view of being a fish and because we've never been able to put ourselves in those shoes. No, or fins. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's start off with our usuals. So, uh, fellow famous fish, okay. Liv, what you got? I am morbid. Uh huh. I am a true crime fanatic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, the Colorado cannibal. Ooh. Yes, Alfred Packer. He is a self-proclaimed professional wilderness guide who had terrible sense of direction. Terrible <laughs> sense of direction. Mm. Health is hence the self proclaimed. He had a seizure about every two days, which would help get him lost. Because he'd be kind of out of it and be like, right, we're supposed to go north, and he'd point like, southwest, or whatever. So he got lost one winter trip in 1874, and with uh, five men. I think they were, like, hunting for treasure or something. I don't quite understand what they were doing out there in the middle of winter with this horrible guide well sometimes um, you just you know it's like i'm a guide it's like cool and then by the time you figure out that he's not a good guide you're kind of already halfway yeah, you, deep into the woods yeah you're screwed right so then everyone will be like disagreeing on which way to go or whatever oh it'd be a mess so he they're gone for like a while and then he kind of like wanders into town and he's like oh well the other four kind of like somehow died and i had to like <laughs> weren't there five sorry five like five and including him mm. the other four like died and i kind of had to like eat them to survive oh and like then party. they found out like he was able to guide them back to where the bodies were yeah suddenly he's able to yeah. like know where crap is what's the uh, time frame on this like was it like in that it was episode? 1874 no i mean like days wise because i remember on uh, this was like an over episode a month or something i think okay because i remember like in an episode of the simpsons they had cabin fever because they were all stuck in this cabin and they were looking to kill each other and eat i each remember other. that and yeah. it was over the course of like a couple hours yeah this was like they were gone for a while and uh yeah there, he was saying like oh yeah they died of hyperthermia or whatever and i I had to stay alive so i ate them and he also like stole their money and stuff saying like oh no i had riches we found the treasure but because they died i may as well keep it anyway so he confessed to cannibalism was able to find the other men and uh was then sent to jail for 40 years and he died about seven years after he was released and that is the story very brief story of the epileptic colorado cannibal that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That is actually a really good one. Yes. Congrats. Thank you. It was uh, ground shaking, <laughs> as it were. All right. What have we got for a not so fun fact corner? Okay. So because today partners of fish, things like that, I actually found something that's somewhat linked to the idea of having families and having epilepsy. Okay. Okay. So not so fun fact. 30 to 40% of epilepsy is caused by genetic predisposition. So the likelihood is mine is genetic predisposition, for instance. Okay. There's some reason for it. It could still be that there's a cause, like maybe a bump on the head that I got. Got a few of those over the years. Dropped as a baby. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe I was kicked down the stairs. Who knows? Nobody (laughs) told me. You were hit with a rifle butt. (laughs) I, I was hit with a rifle butt like a week before, but I didn't lose consciousness, so they don't attribute it to it. But 
it's like, well, it was a week before then I had my first seizure. And they're like, yeah. And I don't know. Doctors can say a lot of stuff and not commit to anything because doctors I've found don't like to commit to anything. (laughs) Especially if you don't fill out paperwork. Yeah. You're getting into work, Stephen. You know what? They were supposed to keep records of that stuff and everybody afterwards, especially the guy who hit me accidentally. He was like, nope, didn't do it. Don't know what you're talking about. I was like, dude. We were both there. I'm not getting you in trouble. This is for a medical. I want to have like some insurance and actually have them like help me. And all I need you to do is write down that what happened. So anyways, long story short, I was kind of curious about this. So I looked it up. So 30 to 40 percent of epilepsy is caused by genetic predisposition and can be a family trait. So it's something you can inherit. Uh, However, if uh, one parent has epilepsy by genetic cause and the other one does not, there's only a 5% chance of the child getting epilepsy, which is statistically high, but it's not as high as people might expect. But if you have both parents having epilepsy genetically, it's a little higher than that, but it's still not as high as people think because a lot of things have to kind of go wrong genetically uh, or have a lot of bad luck, if you were, Mm -hmm. uh, before you get it. But a lot of people in the world have epilepsy or some version of it, and a lot of it is genetic, 30 to 40 percent. And the rest are usually things like head injury or tumors, things like that. Other One. other problems. Luck. Yeah, bad <laughs> luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wandering into the woods with four other men. And eating them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they were just like so tasty or bad or whatever that, you know, they he just had more seizures and got lost more often and then came out and was like, oh, excuse me, I... Uh, Accidentally had to eat all these people. He had like all their money too. He was like buying people <laughs> well, beers at taverns and stuff. So wait, See, would my- that would that be considered shake and bake? <laughs> <laughs> Only well, if he was able to light a fire. My thinking is like, why wouldn't you take the money at that point? Because you know they're already dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then he still confessed to eating them. Well, he kept yeah, but- saying like, oh, I don't know where they are, and then eventually it was like, yeah, I kind of ate them. Yeah, but if they actually died by weather. Like, so they froze to death mm-hmm. and then you had to eat them to live. I don't see that as a problem, but my thing is it sounds sketchy anyways. It sounds like he let them die or killed them and then ate them. Yeah, so he... then it would be murder. Killing them or eating them on its own doesn't sound like that heinous of a crime, even if people find it disgusting. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I had to live. And it's like 40 years in jail for living that part. I would disagree with, but I have a feeling that they felt that he killed them, or at least... Yeah, because he... There was a lot more... I bullet-pointed that the the whole story was, like, crazy long, but, uh, yeah, like, he he claimed to not, and then there was a lot pointing the fact that he did, and apparently the jury only, like, was, like, three hours before they were, like... No, dude, you like killed these people. Okay. So fair enough then. And he's he was crazy. Like his his past was ridiculous. So fair enough. Yeah. And also, I mean, like uh, it was 1874, so things weren't the same. Yeah. yeah. A Bowie knife to the face is not natural causes. So. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So mine's fairly simple. Uh, not so fun fact, but it's a little bit of the genetic predisposition versus if you're trying to create a family. So there's a small likelihood that if we had kids, uh, Jenny doesn't have seizures. I do. And it's probably genetic on my side. Not on mine. So Harry's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that case, there's a small, small chance that our child might have epilepsy. There's like a higher chance that they would have Down syndrome. So. Oh. Uh, depends what age uh, you had kids. Well, like there's, they'll test for that if you want while you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. And there's like, 
statistics are like kind of interesting. Yeah, the uh, if you have a child when you're about 19, I believe it's a one in 10,000 chance of Down syndrome. If you have a child when you're 40, it's about one in a hundred. That's the difference. Uh, wow. Age makes a huge difference on Down syndrome. Hmm. I remember. We cannot cite I, those facts. I don't know where they come from. Again. That was not from, medical professionals. Yeah, but that was not medical professionals. Yeah, but that was during my nursing training. So that's a fact that I got from there. Okay, you can totally ignore me then. Like, <laughs> super not a medical professional. Yeah, I'm not uh, officially a medical professional, but I got it during a medical training. And that was one of the parts that they taught us. Interesting, though. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Age makes a difference on those things. It does. Indeed. Anywho. Shall we start? Yeah, let's interrogate. A gentle interrogation. <laughs> oh, no, please be kind. Okay, we're going to go all Jack Bauer on Jenny now. Okay. Jacqueline Bauer. Jacqueline Bauer. So we got a lot of questions for you, Jenny. We okay. do. Okay. I have many answers, some of which you will probably like. <laughs> All right. Okay, first question. How did you feel when you found out I had a seizure disorder? Well, when I found out you had a seizure disorder, we were still, like, warm acquaintances. Yeah, we weren't exactly going out yet. Yeah, no. So I, like, I was like, oh, okay, noted. And then I went home and looked up seizure disorders on the internet just so that I would know what to do if anything ever happened. And just, then we started just sort of hanging out independently. So we became like pretty decent, pretty, pretty decent friends, pretty yeah. close pals. So then I did a deep dive and I spent like a, a couple hours one night just like doing all the research and making sure I knew like how to handle a seizure if someone has it, what to do, what se- causes of seizures are, different kinds of seizures there were. And then like when to call an ambulance, when not to call an ambulance, what to do as far as like all kinds of stuff. I learned it's very important to stick spoons in people's mouths. <laughs> so I just carried a spoon with me at all times. A little one and a wooden one, just in case. And then I also had my dirty, gross wallet to shove in between Steve's gaping maw as he flopped about. No, I'm just kidding. I just did my research and made sure that I knew what to do. See, this is why I married her. It's like a lot of, a lot of people, they learn something like that, but they don't bother with the research they don't bother with looking up and actually trying to find good answers they they just assume oh i'll just uh wing it when it happens and then freak out at the time yeah Mm -hmm. i'll do what they do in the movies sort of thing just to be absolutely clear in case people don't understand what sarcasm is and haven't heard steve talk (laughs) thousands of times about this don't put things in the mouth every episode who are having seizures please every episode because by god people still do that yes oh my god every episode oh could you listen to that podcast clip that i sent you uh no i didn't get around to it oh my god it was so funny she's she's an epileptic and she was talking about like don't put a spoon in my mouth don't put pennies in my mouth and make a wish don't (laughs) don't put a cob of corn in my mouth and watch me eat it like a cartoon crow like she was so funny damn that is what i am doing has to listen to this so i sent it i'm like go to this exact second and that was also where i found the colorado cannibal oh nice in that episode so i sent like go to this also dibs so it was so good you need to listen to that it was so funny i will do that you send me a lot of really good stuff and i'm um I don't know if lazy is the right word. because Procrastinator. I'm a procrastinator when it comes to certain things. Oh, I'm I, sorry. Are you a procrastinator? You're always getting on my business for being a procrastinator. Yeah, we both get on each other's business. Mm, marital grumping here at the, here at the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You got a question. Okay. Uh, what did you do the first time you saw Steve having a seizure? Because, like, I know, although you can be, like, prepared in your brain, there's also, like, you, you know... D- 
your emotions can get in there and you can be like, oh my God, what the fuck do I do? Yeah, totally. There's always like that moment of like, "Uh uh-oh. The first time I thought you were going to have a seizure was actually at a food court. You had an aura. And I was like, oh, training prepared. But then it didn't happen. And I was like, okay, good. Um, The first time you actually had a seizure, well, let's just say I had to get off the proverbial ride to deal with it. We were um, having grown-up time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, God, that's... (laughs) That's terrible timing, Steve. What were you thinking? I, I, I honestly thought you should just have stayed on. and. I was know. like, this ride's broken, man. Like, I got to do something. It was, it was fine. Um, although I do remember having the biggest moment of panic. First of all, like, the way that his seizures presented at the time was it was a full body thing. So he was kind of pointing at a light switch. And I was trying to figure out if he needed the lights on or off. And also, my biggest moment of panic was, where are my pants? In case I need to go <laughs> find some help. <laughs> I don't know where they are. <laughs> but it was okay. I mean, like, it was scary the first time because I'd never seen that, obviously. But he wrote it out, and I just kind of stayed and made sure that he was okay. And then after a couple minutes, yeah, finished I, up. Yeah, I was fine. Yeah. So. Recovered. Mm-hmm. Carried on. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Because I Describe stubborn. my face right now. <laughs> It's a combination of horrified, perplexed, and deeply interested. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Things happen, and you know what? It's usually if you're... It's like, when do seizures happen? Timing is everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Never at a good time. No. It's like... Yeah. I mean, like, it was fine. I love how the second... This next question is, what is one seizure that particularly stands out from the rest? (laughs) I feel like we don't need to that. Well, your first time is always special. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, yeah, there's been a couple. You had that one time we were kind of scaling back your medication just to kind of try it out because Steve was like, oh, if I don't take as many meds, I feel more like a human. And then he went from having like the occasional seizure to having five really bad seizures in one day. Oh my God. And he ended up in the hospital. And that was actually the day of my calculus exam. So your dad called me and was like, Steve just had three seizures and is going to the hospital. And I was like, sick, I have no confidence in this exam. That exam I did not pass. And I went to talk to my teacher afterwards and was like, uh, my my partner had like a whole bunch of seizures that day. And I had to go to the emergency room and it was really bad. And she was like, meh. And I was like, cool, thanks for being super supportive, friendo. But realistically, I was in great shape for that exam. But that was really, really hard because you just were in such bad shape. And it was such a, a blow because you hadn't been that sick in such a long time, and also you'd finally felt like you were getting control of your medication. Well, the problem with the medication, as we've talked about on this show before, is that at certain levels, you can feel like you are you can't think. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, depending on the medication, the clarity isn't there. And on some of the medications like Topamax, I couldn't even count to 10. So the idea of being able to scale it back and it's, uh, you know, it's this thing I blame doctors for sometimes where I work at with the mental health is that we finally get a client under control in the sense that they're not having huge schizophrenic episodes. And then they what the first thing they do is start scaling back the medication. It's like, no, this is where it's working, obviously, because they're not having problems. Well, I kind of did that to myself. It's like, OK, I'm really, really not having these seizures anymore. So let's scale this stuff back so I can feel a little better. Uh, it didn't work that well. And so I had to go right back to where I was. And I'm actually on a higher dose than even back then. But I am more or less seizure free for the most part anyways. Mm -hmm. So I'm good now. 
And I just have to accept the fact that I'm going to have a little bit of dumminess. I am always going to be a little dumber than I should be uh, because of this medication. But Okay, it just makes it easier for me to take the reins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just I'm just kidding. Feel smarter. He's really not dumb. <laughs> it's If he was off his medication, he would be out thinking me all the time and it would be frustrating. I'm just kidding. You are very smart. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because we have a witness. Like, I actually think you're very smart. <laughs> Don't always feel it. Well, I wouldn't date you if you weren't interesting, and you wouldn't be interesting if you weren't intelligent. Would you have married him? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't marry some boring, lame person. I want to marry somebody interesting who's... Even if I had a lot of money? Which I don't. <laughs> well, no, I would string you along until I got all of your money out of you, and then I would go marry someone interesting. There's always life insurance. No, I like him. I like him more than I like the money. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I will life insure someone else. Okay. So you kind of asked my question. I did. I'm so sorry. I felt like it was already answered, though. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's... There's always a few. If you have a a continuous thing, there's always going to be a couple of really bad or interesting ones. This is true. This is true. Yeah. Take my question. Okay. After 10 years of uh, being married to me or being together, are they routine or scary? The seizures? They're both. The seizures. They're very much both. I know, like, I know from experience what's coming, but I think the scary thing about seizures is that there's no, like, there's no guarantees around anything. So, like, if you're having a seizure, usually at, like, the one and a half to two minute mark, I'm kind of looking at the clock being like, please stop soon. Yeah, they're, they're both, for sure. I, I'm definitely more equipped to handle them, and I feel like I'm much more equipped to kind of, like, guide you and me and anybody who happens to be in the vicinity through them very confidently. You have stopped me from being stupid a few times. Yeah, that's my that, job. That, that, well, the, well, the problem is, is that after a seizure, I get stubborn. and I Oh, is can, that when you get stubborn? No, <laughs> I'm not stubborn normally. Just when I have a seizure. It used to be that he'd, like, have a seizure at the dojo, and we'd be like, okay, sit down. And then, like, literally five minutes later, he'd be trying to teach somebody how to do a combat roll. And we'd be like, sit your shaky butt down. <laughs> well, I love you. But nowadays, like, the other thing is, like, when Steve has an aura, um, he knows what's coming. But sometimes, like, if he's resisting it, he'll start resisting it emotionally as well. So he'll kind of be like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. And I have to be like, look. You know me, you love me, you trust me, you need to trust me right now. Sit on the couch and stop trying to do what you're doing. Put the knife down. Whatever it is you're chopping can wait. (laughs) Yeah, I'm stubborn. I've always been a stubborn person. So Mm -hmm. it it comes out in those things. I've gotten better at that. Yeah. But it's, I still find it highly frustrating as I imagine many of other fish does. Yeah, I think it's always hard to see somebody you love being in a state of discomfort and being in a state of, you know, pain and frustration. Yeah, let's break your heart every time. Yeah, and I, especially since, like, a lot of times it's the fallout that's hard to deal with because the seizure itself is scary and, like, you get through it. It's pretty routine, but it means that you're kind of, like, you're kind of grounded for the next 24 hours. Pretty much as far as stuff that you wanted to do. And usually it'll happen when we're about to go for a walk or, like, you know, you're at the dojo or something's going on. It's like, okay, well, now, like, we got to... We got to basically like put the put the gloves on for a little bit. And I think that's that's hard for you. Yeah, because it's you know, it's it's dealing with the sense of I'm not in control and I should be. And I think that's almost harder for me to watch at this point now than the seizure, just because I love you and I respect you and I want you to have the best, most active life that you can and that I know you're capable of having. And so when that's taken away from you, I 
I, I want to I want to reclaim it for you, but I can't. So I just support you and make you soup. You're awesome. <laughs> Give you kisses. <laughs> I remember in the dojo once, Steve stammered a little bit while giving instructions, and that can be like a sign of an aura coming on, or like that's that's common in a lot of fish is stammering before a seizure. And I remember you getting right up in his face, like two inches, and going. Are you okay? <laughs> just like you, you answer me right now, dumbass. And he's like, oh, he's not I'm dumb. fine. I'm fine. Like it was just this very like you answer me like yeah. and be truthful. And he was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's been a few times where like Steve will be doing a thing. It happened the other day. Somebody was like, Is Steve okay? And I was like, eagle eyes at him for a couple seconds. Finally, he noticed and was like, What are you looking at? And I was like, Nothing. You're fine. <laughs> I'm yeah. like his. I'm like his. I'm like his watch puppy. Or are you like the uh, the sniffer dog that can smell? I'm a sniffer dog. Nice. And sometimes, sometimes I miss sniff. But you know what? I'm all. I'll always be your puppy. Well, this is, <laughs> that's a weird analogy. It's one of those things that I can find annoying sometimes. But it's one of those annoyances that I think is uh, worth the annoyance. Am I annoying? Well, just anybody. <laughs> it can because, get annoying. Well, I can see that though. Well, people like, I mean, everybody suddenly, one of the downsides of having a ongoing condition is people in, even in their best intentions and they baby most, us. Yeah. They'll, they might baby you and you don't want to feel babied. Exactly. It's like, treat me like a normal person, please. But find that nice balance where you also take care of me when I suddenly have that problem. Yeah, they're doing it out of kindness. They're not like, they don't mean to baby you. It's kind of like they need to. But we also want to be like, well, let me be a little into, like, just stop it. Yeah, stop stop saying, oh, did you just poop yourself? Let me give you a tissue. Here you go. You don't want to feel like an actual baby at the same time. But Jenny doesn't do that. But she will be like jump on it when she sees something that might be an issue but then i have to slow down because normally when someone stammers or is in front of someone is teaching that happens sometimes i mean everybody does that where you're like blah lose your train of thought can't think of a word it's a human trait but it can happen more often to fish and this the medication i'm on makes me lose my train of thought a little bit more often and also makes me not be able to recollect a word as quickly we've talked about i do it constantly yeah and it's one of those things that you know it's just difficult sometimes and then someone's like are you having a seizure are you are you having an aura it's like no i just can't remember something what's the word oh yeah this and it's like it is annoying but it's very good to have someone there by your side that's going to take care of you and yeah. that is something that's i wouldn't trade for the world you know because that's something that you're never that's it's a difficult thing to have consistent and Jenny is awesome at that. So, oh, I'm glad I can help. Yeah, you you do more than help. You're awesome. Aww. I guess I should ask the next question because it's kind of a me question. Yeah. Did my seizures change your life at all? The way you viewed a disorder, yada yada yada. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I think you like as a person hear about all these disorders and they're just kind of like things that you are aware of in the world, but that you don't have a direct correlation to. So, for example, for me, that would be like. I don't know, like polycystic kidney disease. I know that's a thing. Um, I know it, it deals is really rough for a lot of people, and I know a fair bit about it. But I don't. I'm not involved with anybody who does do deals with that directly. So even though it's a thing in the world, it's not a thing in the in my world so much. So seizure disorders are another thing like that where I knew that they were a thing, but I didn't have a lot of direct experience with them. Um, and now I do. So <laughs> I think that's just kind of like one of the things that intersects your life. You know, like. 
you get a dog, you have a kid, you, you, your husband has a seizure disorder. Like, it's just kind of part of part of life. Yeah. Um, and obviously, if I could take it away, I would. But I don't think they've been a negative part of my life because, you know, you came with them. So they're a little bit like the little bit of mustard you don't want on the otherwise perfect burger. <laughs> mustard. Mustard's great. I needed a condiment, and I don't dislike any condiments, so I just picked that one because you, you, dis- like you, dis- you dislike relish. I dislike relish. I don't dislike relish. I dislike. You should the- dislike relish. I, I don't dislike homemade relish that is okay. well made. That's like ninety nine percent of the relish out there. You don't like though. If ninety nine percent of the relish is Heinz relish, then <laughs> I'm not a huge fan. But I will eat it if it is on something that I consider worth eating. Okay, Fair but enough. I don't want it. Is it worth eating if it has relish on it, though? I would totally just scrape it off. I don't like relish. Mm. <laughs> okay. Um, does that answer the question? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, would you say it like, has changed you as a person? Sure. As opposed to just in the relationship? Sure. Um, I think they've made me a little bit more conscientious and a little bit more confident around people who do have seizure disorders. And also a little bit more comfortable talking about seizure disorders with people who... You, usually I find it's more confident about people who have them or have experience with them because then I can talk as if I know what I'm talking about. Sometimes if you're talking to somebody who doesn't have a seizure disorder and has no... Is ignorant to them. Is yeah, no is, real, is ignorant to them, then it can be good because you can give... give. Uh, oh, she you, can't think of a word. She's clearly a fish. Yep. <laughs> you can give advice and you can sort of tell stories and stuff like that. But it's like anybody who hasn't experienced anything. Like, you can tell somebody a fire is hot, but they're going to have to reach their hand in there to actually figure out what that means. You know what I mean? Sure. So... Kids are a big one. It's like, oh, I could, I can theoretically understand what it's like to raise kids. But if you haven't raised kids, then you don't realize how much of a time commitment it is and how much of an effort it is compared to, say, not having kids. Yes. What is interesting is if we're watching a movie and a character in the movie has a seizure, I have a better idea of whether or not that's a realistic seizure than Steve does because I've watched them. I had not thought of that. (laughs) Yeah, she she actually knows better than I do, like, uh, especially when my seizures were first starting and they hadn't really figured out the medication yet, I would have full-blown Gram-L. I very rarely have those anymore. It's like half Gram-L, you know? It's like not proper uh, Gram-L. But back then, I would have, like, right proper ones all over the floor, you know, proper fish, right? <laughs> if you're going to do it right, do it grand. Yeah, exactly. Mm, it's the it's the full the get-off-the-ride kind of seizures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in... But I'm unconscious, like especially for the first, like, you know, five years of them, six, seven years even. I wouldn't have any conscious recollection of it. I would just feel like garbage afterwards when I sort of came to. Right. Mm-hmm. And everybody else, I'm just looking at reactions because everybody else is standing around looking horrified. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, God, It's like you just told one of your jokes of the week or whatever. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> fits of laughter. Oh, they're horrible. <laughs> I don't know how you find them funny. <laughs> I called myself morbid earlier. Like, no. Out of the two of us. (laughs) Uh, You got one more question. I think we have one more after that, and then uh, we'll carry on. Yeah. Um, How long did it take you to feel comfortable to openly ask Steve questions about his epilepsy? Well, I think Steve's kind of a special case because Steve will just talk about anything and always has been. He doesn't have much of a filter, and he doesn't have much of a, like... 
hence the podcast. Yeah, it's that much of a no-go zone, you know what I mean? Like, some people, you can tell that they don't want to talk about something, so you kind of have to either dance around the issue or sort of wait for the right time to sort of gently bring it up. With Steve, you can just be like, hey, what medications are you on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, like, I found out that Steve has a seizure disorder from Steve. So, at that point, I kind of took the, I'm pretty sure, like, way back in the day, I took the opportunity to be like, oh, what kind of seizures? Um, and that kind of led me down the thing. And then, like, the medications, again, they're one of those situations, like I was saying before, like with polycystic kidney diseases, I know what these medications are, and I have them in my life through Steve, but I don't directly interact with them. So sometimes I still find that I forget the names of which medications he is on and which ones he said he hates, because he talks about them both in equal measure. Sure. So, like, when we went to Japan, for instance, I actually, like, wrote out a full cheat sheet of all of his medications and all of his issues. And then I went to my friend Nobu, who speaks Japanese, and asked him to translate it for me. Well, I I translated it with Google Translate, and then I asked him to spell check Google Translate because I didn't want some poor Japanese ambulance attendant to be like, Nani, (laughs) what is this? Yeah, she's pretty awesome. She went and got it uh, written down so that if I had a seizure there and an ambulance from Japan showed up, she'd be able to show Melissa and say this, and then they could easily read it and then understand it, which I thought was awesome. I honestly hadn't thought about it, but we had the meds. We even doubled up the amount. So she always had a... And enough medication for the entire trip mm-hmm. on her. And I always had enough medication for the entire trip Good on Good thinking. Mm-hmm. That way. And it's all these little if things. If a bag that, gets... Oh, that's so smart. Yeah. It's all these things that people don't think about. And then when, say, mine got wet, like my bag got wet and destroyed my medication, I'd be kind of screwed otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I would highly recommend that. I would also highly recommend doing what I meant to do and didn't, which is printing off both an English and a Japanese or whatever other copy you want and laminating them and then just having them folded up in your in your person or on your person at any given time because I kept mine on my phone and then the one time we actually did kind of need it um it turns out my phone sent it to the cloud and I didn't have data so it was that was a moment of panic before like the situation kind of resolved itself um so that would have been like I I was like I'm just gonna pay the fucking $15 charge and do it but like really that's a very easy thing to do so if you're traveling with a fish and you happen to like that fish, get all their information, put it out in bullet point form, have it translated, and then have that with you at all times. What I would also suggest is, as far as names of medication, remember that the a lot of names are branding. Yeah. They're not the actual names that other countries will recognize. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is get the actual medical version. It's going to be Latin, and it's going to be consistent around the world. For instance, I'm on Tegretol, which is carbamazepine. Now, carbamazepine is the medical term for that medication. It's not always Latin, but it's, you know, you get what I'm saying. It's the medical version of it. Tegretol is a brand name. So if you got a non-brand version of Tegretol, it would be called something else. So that medication itself is carbamazepine. They want to know carbamazepine. Mm -hmm. They will be able to look that up easier. Yeah. The, The brand name is more difficult right. so when you travel a- abroad that's something to think about yeah yeah that re- that's not just for fish though that's no like, that's for everybody. for everybody yeah. yeah like really when when we go hiking for example i work at mount nookaman co-op it's one of the things that i do just you know in my spare time um <laughs> but whenever we go out like a lot of us have guide experience and one thing that one of my um, guides recommended was having what's called a lost and alone card 
which you should really have anytime you're going out into the wilderness or anywhere outside, which is just a little laminated card in your wallet that has your name, any medications you're on or conditions you have, and then emergency contacts. And it goes right on the top of your bag, right in the front of your wallet, so that if anything ever happens to you, if you're found unconscious, or if you're found deceased, or if you're found wandering around the woods in the middle of winter eating your friends, then <laughs> people know where to look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If there's blood all over their face, you might like... Yeah, people are like, oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> Let's just hold him down and then take out that card and see what's wrong with I don't know guy. what happened to this man, but I know that we need to call... Jane Fonda (laughs) at 250 why do you have this number (laughs) okay one last question for you yes do you know of any other fish besides me and Liv well I know Megalodon (laughs) (laughs) it's a big fish it is a big fish it's also not there anymore Um, we don't know that for sure I like to annoy Ben by pretending that I literally think the Megalodon <laughs> is not extinct. Mm. I also like to annoy him by saying that the Loch Ness Monster is real. Well, mm. I will say that I it, really wish that Nessie is real, though. It took him a long, long time, and I mean a long time, like very, very recently before they had footage of giant squid. I know, that's my point. I'm like, you don't know. You did, yeah, sorry. No. I don't believe it I'm myself. Gonna rant. I want to. At the same to. time, I it would be beautiful. To. So bad. I want to believe it so badly, and it annoys the hell out of Ben because I'll be like you don't know that the megalodon isn't real he's like it was real but and this conversation went on for was yes but I you have no idea how long and in-depth that conversation went I have a tooth of a megalodon can I have it no it costs five hundred dollars I'll give you it's a big one five (laughs) I thought this was my question Yeah, it's like, where's my airtime? You kind of took over that one, did ya? Sorry. (laughs) Well, that's okay. I brought up Megalodon. Yes, I do know other fish. I know several people at my work have had what is probably the most common form of epilepsy, which is childhood epilepsy. So they had seizures when they were younger and they grew out of them. Okay. Um, That's good for them. Yeah. That's excellent. Lucky. Um, Lucky. Some of them, them. (laughs) one of them I was just talking to the other day and he was talking about how when he was a kid, he would have petimals. Um, so he would just be talking or eating and then he'd just kind of freeze up and stare into space for a few minutes and then would just kind of like re-engage and people would be like, are you okay? And he'd be like, literally nothing happened. And they'd be like, literally something did. And that went on for quite a while. Several of my other friends have had that. We did have one person who worked with me at, at Mech who actually runs Epilepsy Blog and she's a, a marathon runner who has like very, very serious seizures with zero warning. Oh. Um, so she'd come into work from time to time and just be like all like beat up and oh. we'd be like, what happened? She'd be like, I was running a race and then I fell down. Oh, um, Hugo weaving. Yeah. She basically, mm. she would have seizures at the drop of a hat and they would be quite bad. And you, they often happen when she was in the middle of a run, which is really, really rough. Oh. But she kept running. That girl was amazing. And she had a great attitude. So it was really cool to work with her and get to spend some time and learn from her. But it was kind of cool to get to work with somebody else and then have that experience of being like, oh, I, my partner has seizures. I can, you know, if you have an issue, I'm someone safe that you can come yeah, to. Yeah, I know my shit, right? Yeah, which, yeah. like, obviously you don't walk up and be like, hey, I'm going to insert myself in your life. But you know what I mean? Like, if they have a concern, you can just be like, hey, just so you know, I have experience with what you're experiencing, so. It definitely will make them more comfortable, for I sure. So. Yeah. And There's a line there between, and I think, like, this is a line that people in unintentionally cross a lot that I try really hard not to, with being like, hey... I know my stuff, so let me know if you need support. And like, hey, I know my stuff, so I am now going to use your issue as a chance to expand my narrative. 
You know what I mean? Those people. So I try very hard to be in Camp A and not Camp (laughs) B because I feel like Camp B is usually well intentioned, but ultimately a little bit not well received because. Well, you got it. The the thing is, is like you got a lot of experience with my seizures, Mm -hmm. uh, which is as we've talked on the show before. Are very different. Yeah, they're all a little different, and uh, some of them very different, and their experiences can be very different. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say, with your friend just dropping and then getting up, that's kind of like that stubborn attitude that is me like yes. i would get up and do something like that i can understand that that uh need or that type of thinking you don't want to let your epilepsy get in the way of your life no but you yeah. also need to respect the fact that there's if, a limit it's gonna get in the way of your yeah. life and also yeah. if it's becoming a danger to you you need to like as much as it sucks your responsibility is to keep that danger somewhat contained and I would never tell somebody not to do something that they genuinely wanted to do because of a condition that I don't have any direct experience with but at the same time you know you need to make those hard calls sometimes and unfortunately as much as it sucks fish have to make those calls more often and that's not fair and it's not cool but it is a thing that unfortunately is a responsibility that people need to take on I guess I don't know (laughs) no you're right you're right yeah, it's mm-hmm. you. Uh, you're absolutely. I agree completely. So we don't want to because we no. want to think. And that, I love you, but like we all have to take responsibility for things in this life. Yeah, <laughs> it sucks, and I'm sorry that you have to take more than the rest of us. Yeah, life sucks sometimes. So we'll just mosey on. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jenny. Well, we shake just it totally off, as it were. It, yeah, way to <laughs> end on, like, a total downer. No. Not a downer. You can take control of your life and be strong, independent. Uh-huh. Unless Jenny tells you not to. <laughs> Jenny yeah. will support you. Jenny thinks you're great. Flopping about. <laughs> great dance moves. Hey, Jenny. Hi, Books. Do uh, you want to stick around for the next podcast as well? Yes. That sounds awesome. Yay, because so, I'm so excited for stop it. Stop banging a table. I'm sorry. No. Okay. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Steve got mad at me. I got yelled at. (laughs) Okay. How about a shout out? I'm going to shout out to the supportive partners of Fish and the times that they're there. They're there when the fish need them and know what to do and when they keep their cool. So, yes. The Jennies of of the world. The Jennies of the world. The Bens of the world. And the fish that are listening. Your partners, when they are supportive, even if they are coming across as annoying... They are just trying to help. Mm, we're building salmon letters so that you can ford the streams. Yes, they are trying to help. If you want to reach out to us and do a shout out for your partner, for yourself even, you can reach us at fishoutofwater101 at outlook.com. You can reach us on Twitter at fishpodcast101. And we have a Facebook page, fishoutofwater, colon, carpe diem. Do we have a fit of laughter? Of course we Are do. we going to hate you? No, the, we're, we're going to do a couple in the future, I think, of the dad level joke. Okay, I can respect dad joke. Okay, so classic dad joke might have even been given to me by a partner. I made it up. Oh, that's why you're pointing <laughs> at yourself? I love it. Okay, what's up? Okay, why did the British Secret Service agent want an epileptic bartender? Because he wanted a margarita shaken, not stirred. Martini. Fuck, I've never seen a Bond movie. Oh, God. I would also want a margarita shaken. Yeah, I like margarita. But did I guess it right? You did. Oh, yay! Do I win a prize? (laughs) You win a hug after the end of the episode. Yay, I love hugs. Let's sign off. Carpe diem. Get it?